the adolescent last chapter of your life has just shut. Now you go on to the first chapter of adulthood. Parents, you also had your last chapter shut of raising a child. And now your chapter opens up of letting them go out into this world. Not only do the seniors have one closed and one open, but as parents also have one closed and one open. Today, we're going to talk about are you in Jesus? And the question is, are you a fan or a follower? First of all, we're going to talk about DTR. So where do we start to determine if you really are a follower of Jesus? How do you decide this is even something you would want to consider? Let me begin by having, let's begin by having the DTR talk with Jesus. Some of you will recognize these letters, DTR. If you're not sure, let me give you a hint. For these young men, Involved in a romantic relationship, these letters are often enough to strike fear into our hearts. He likely dreads the DTR talk. What does DTR stand for? Define the relationship. That's what God wants to do today. He wants us to define the relationship with Him. My question earlier was, are you a fan or a follower? You can answer that question now in your head. I want you to do something real quick. Here's what I want you to do. In your mind, picture yourself walking into a local coffee shop. You grab a snack and get a drink and then walk towards the back where it isn't crowded you find a seat at a small table. You take a sip of your drink and enjoy a few quiet moments. Now imagine this, that Jesus comes in and sits down next to you. You recognize him because of the blue sash. You're unsure what to say. In an awkward moment, you try to break the silence by asking him to turn your water into wine. And Jesus gives you that same look that he used to give Peter. What? You start off okay. Then you start getting a little nervous when you're talking to him. Then you realize that you forgot to pray for your food. So all of a sudden, you start to pray. You're doing good at first. But you start getting nervous. And then all of a sudden, you say this. Three things we pray. To love thee more clearly. To see thee more clearly. To follow thee more dearly. Day by day by day. You couldn't say amen. And then all of a sudden you realize that you just quoted Ben Schiller's prayer from Meet the Parents. Before you have a chance to make things more awkward, he just stops you. And says enough of the small talk. It's time for you 
define the relationship with me. He wants to know how you feel about him. Is your relationship with him exclusive? Or is it just a casual weekend thing? Or has it moved past that? How would your relationship with him be defined? What is exactly your level of commitment? Seniors, you're heading off to college. You're heading off into the world. Your choice is that you're going to be a fan or a follower of God. Church, I want to say that sanctuaries have become stadiums. They are still more than fans and followers. What is a fan? An enthusiastic admirer. We have, how many, we have a lot of football fans in here. When you watch TV, you can pick out the enthusiastic admirer, can't you? He's the guy with no shirt on and his chest painted. And his face painted. Or they got the green, they're going to they got the yellow wigs on, the cones, or the cheese on their head. They know everything about the game. They can give you stats about each player on that field. They can tell you how many Super Bowls this team won. They're up there cheering. They're going crazy and things are good. But just like Mr. Fancy, when things start going bad, those fans jump from one team to another team next week. They're only in there for the good times, not the bad times. I think Jesus had a lot of fans back in those days. Fans who cheered for him when things were going well, but walked away when it got difficult. Prime example, when he rode back into the city and he laid the palms out. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And then all of a sudden, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When things were going good, hallelujah. When things were going bad, Graduates, things are going to go bad in your life. But always remember one thing. Jesus is in total control of your life. Jesus went through some bad things. Jesus sacrificed things for you, for us. And all he's asking for you is a sacrifice for him. Some of us want to be close to Jesus to get the benefits, but not too close will require for us to do something or to get something else. We want Jesus to be there for us when we're down in the dumps, but we don't require anything to get up. But we want Him to do everything that we don't want to do that He's asking us to do. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 and 23, 
Here's we're just talking about form. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, in your name drive out demons, in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plenty, I never knew you, away from me, you evil doers. You hear from somebody that, that knew him. A fan knows Jesus, but a fan does not know Jesus. They can tell you all about him. They can quote the scriptures, but they don't know who Jesus really is. And in here, he tells us who he really is. We don't sugarcoat it. I'm not trying to make it light. He tells us exactly what he wants from us. We're going to look at two examples in the Bible this morning, real quick, of fans. The first one is found in Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60. Some of you have heard this, this lecture passage here. We're going to talk about two real quick. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 and 60. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You read in here in 59 what's the first response the man says when God asked him to follow him. He tells Jesus, first, let me do this. Lord Jesus, I'll follow but first let my kids get married. Lord God, I'll follow but first let me get a better job. Yes, he's our father, but first let me graduate high school. I'll follow you, Jesus, but first let me get enrolled in college. Or, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, but first let my kids graduate. This man here is putting a stipulation on it. Yeah, God, I follow you, but first I got to take care of what I got to take care of first. And God's telling that, I, no. Let, let the dead bury themselves. Come. What you have to go do is not as important as what I am calling you to do. I look at this passage here and I wonder, I wonder if his dad really was dead. Or that would be sick. Or is that just an excuse for him not to see what God is asking to Some people say, that's kind of true. You just tell them, don't worry about burying the people. Come follow me. No, you just tell them, come. Follow me. And he'll take care of the rest. The second man, in verses 61 and 62, the same chapter, chapter 9, 
says, still, another says, I will follow you, Lord, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first, I got to take care of what I need to take care of first. Jesus is telling us, you can't do my service if you're doing this. Keep looking back to see if you're missing anything going on in life. You just say, hey, follow me. I want you to follow me. And I want you looking dead straight ahead, on course, on path, and follow me. What's going on behind you is the concern. The concern is what's going to happen in front of you. Graduates. What happened behind you? High school, junior high, elementary. That's not a concern anymore. Your focus now is straight ahead and where God's leading you. I personally believe that some of y'all got accepted to these colleges because God has a mission for you in the rest of these colleges. Come on, you fill out 50, 60 applications to the school and just that one exception. God knows where you want to be at. God knows where you want to be God is not interested in Sunday Christians to follow Him. God does not want part-time followers. I'll follow God on Sunday morning, but Monday, Monday through Saturday, that's my day. Those are my times. Seniors, entering into the world, as Brother Ray said earlier, is you are going to be challenged daily. When you first get up in the morning, if you say, you know what, God? I decided to follow you, and I'm going to follow you this morning. Lord, help me. I'm going to need you to And you give God that day. No matter what's going on you, God will get you to it. But he doesn't want to be part-time. He's not looking for part-time fans. He's not looking for fans at all. He's looking for followers. He's looking for those who follow him. Jesus explained to us it's not a full-time job to be a follower. It's a full-time job. And he tells John, he tells the church, Lacadosa, in Revelation chapter 3, Verse 16, exactly what he thinks of part timers. He says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He doesn't want us to go in the sink. Okay, I'm worshiping God, and I'm back in the world. I'm worshiping God. I'm back in the world. You're looking at happening. I'm worshiping God. I'm back in the world. And that sense gets further and further away from you because you're in the world and you're not full time followers. 
God came and defeated the world. We can defeat the world, but we can defeat the world if we're following Him. Graduates, if you're doing part time following, the world is going to suck you up and spit you out of mind. And what they're going to do is they're going to say, well, God must not love me. Look at the situation I'm in right now. Uh-uh. It's not God. It's you. God's like, yeah. I tell him, let, let me carry you through the hard time. Because I already defeated the world once. Hop on my back and I'll carry you through it. Don't do it on your own, right? Don't do it on your own. He does not want part time. Sir, I'm not only talking to graduates, I'm talking to others too. He does not want, a, he does not want this to be a stadium, he wants this to be a sanctuary. Sanctuary is a flowers though, stadium is just a But, many churches have been they come in and they have a show on the stage. Flashing lights. Smoke. The emphasis is no longer on God. It's on what's going on in the stage. Seniors, you get into that college. My challenge to you is you find a Bible-based church they get into right off the bat. As a person you should be looking for, get on Google, churches near me. It's a college campus. And then when you get into that church, find other students who are in your college who go to that church and lock arms and walk with them and guess what? Your four years, two years of college will be sweet and glorifying to God. It'll be hard. You got guys to find. In Luke, which is the main passage, I'm going to get to the two verse. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus is just talking. Right now he's talking to seniors, parents, and church. This is what he says. Then he said to them, All, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. He just gives us three instructions. Number one, deny ourselves. We must give up control of our life and our wants and do what Jesus wants to do. And this, that means give up your plans 
You can die though, you got cancer. Focus on Him and deny yourself daily. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, there's an example of some men who just did that. My Bible has got a subtitle called Jesus Calls His First Disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to the fish for people. At once. You know that? Jesus said, come follow me. And at once. They dropped their nets and followed them. At once they gave up everything. They gave up their life. They gave up their family. They gave up their jobs, their careers. And they followed Jesus. And that's how I said that. At once. Not, but first God, let me look at my, my wife. I gotta go. No. Both drop them. No, they don't. They denied themselves. Second one. He tells us to pick up our cross. Let's begin with what Jesus didn't mean. Many people interpret cross as a burden they must carry in their life, a strained relationship, a thankless job, a physical illness, or self-pity. The cross that they have to carry. Jesus carried a cross to Galilee to sacrifice. No one was ever thinking of the cross as a symbol of a burden to carry. To a person in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only. Death by the most painful and humiliating means a human being could ever face. The cross back then, and Jesus is speaking, meant death. A harsh, painful death. Two thousand years later, Christians view the cross as a cherished symbol of anointment, forgiveness, grace, and love. Jesus carried a cross that meant pain, suffering, anguish. But now we look at it as love, atonement, and peace. But in Jesus' days, the cross represented nothing but torture, death, because the Romans forced convicted criminals to carry their own cross to a place to be crucified and a place radical on the way. Therefore, take up your cross means willing to die in order to follow Jesus. That means dying 
Doesn't mean we're literally going to be hung on a cross and be beaten up. And be, no, I mean, taking yourself and saying, now what? Myself. Me. Seniors. You. Are no worthy. God is worthy. It's called absolute surrender. Deny yourself and then surrender yourself to Him. The third thing He says is follow me. Follow me. You notice how He has them in order. First deny yourself and then die to yourself and then say follow me. Don't say follow me and then deny yourself and then take, take yourself. No, he has it in that order for a reason. Graduate, he has it in those steps. Because in order to pick up your cross, you have to deny yourself first. In order to follow him, you got to be one of two. You can't follow him if you don't die to yourself. Because you're doing it part time. You're not totally committed to him. And that's what he wants. He wants a total commitment in his relationship. Church, he wants us to totally commit to him. A lot of us have prayers, things we want done. Are we really praying to him? Or are we praying to ourselves? So they we're praying to him, then when we get done, we know he's he taking care of us. How many was laying that bed and think about, man, I can't believe I did that. Man, I wish I didn't do that. In John chapter 16, verse 33. Maybe just tells us some good advice right here. You ain't got to highlight it. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I, Jesus, have overcame the world. And if ever he has, he tells us there's going to be trouble. But he tells us, hey, in me, got peace. Because I've already defeated the world. Following Jesus is easy when life runs smoothly. We can all agree to that. When things are going good, we're happy, all glorifying the Lord. Some people, hey, yeah, God bless you, this, this, this. But our true commitment to Him is revealed when trouble and trials. That is, how committed are you to God? And this time, are you committed to Him just as much in the God time? That's where the test That's where your commitment should be. You should be able to look at yourself and judge yourself. Verse 2. 
is where am I, where's my relationship with God at? Is it the same when it's going good as it is when it's going bad? Or when it's going bad, I take God and throw him back on the back burner. Oh well, I'm in the spirit and I can't get out of it. It must be my fault. God really doesn't love me. And if he did, God, if you really loved me, you wouldn't have me to start. Or we pray, God, if you get me out of this, I promise that I will. I can tell you from experience. Don't make a promise to God you can't keep, because he'll get it eventually. God, you get me out of this, I'll definitely follow you. Okay. I just get out of that. We get out and guess what? We're going to spend time with work. Because God knew we weren't going to follow him in. I just get something to see later. Discipleship demands sacrifice. Seniors, parents, church. He was sacrificed He just gave up glory. He just gave up his life. For you. His life for you. We have to sacrifice and so all we have to do is deny die to ourselves and follow him reset reset is are you willing to follow Jesus if it means losing your close friend? Seniors, would you follow Jesus if it meant that you had to give up your best friend all through life? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means alienation from your family? Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means loss of your reputation. Are you willing to follow Jesus if it means lose your job? Right? Or are you willing to follow Jesus if it means to lose your life? In some places in the world, these realities well, that's the consequence of what really happened. We got missionaries that are following Jesus. They're leaving their families, they're leaving their best friends, they're leaving their jobs, going somewhere, and finally losing their life. And where are they going? They're following Jesus. And not doing things. And not sitting up in the stand. Yeah! They're actually on the field putting in the sacrifice. That's what Paul did. We get in the grind, in the field, and we sacrifice. We fight the battle. 
following Jesus does not necessarily mean all things will happen. All these things will happen to you. But are you willing to take up your cross? If there comes a point in your life where you are faced with a choice, Jesus, the comfort of life, what are you going to choose? What are you going to choose? Let me ask you a question. Now it's time to rethink about what I asked you earlier. Is your relationship one of convenience or is it a true commitment? Is your relationship based off of what you want or is your commitment based off of what you want? That's what we have to think about now. Where do we sit? And so, the invitation of Jesus hasn't changed. Jesus still says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. My favorite word in this whole part is when Jesus said, anyone. He didn't leave, he didn't ask for, he didn't say, I just want this particular person or these people. He said, anyone would come after me. He meant, no matter what your story is, graduates, no matter what you have done in the previous relationship with Jesus, no matter what you have done in your past, Has anyone ever laid in bed, awake at night, and thought, I would give anything to undo what I have done? Anyone ever looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I can't believe what I have become? Anyone means everyone, and anyone means anybody and everybody, including me. He has called us all to follow him. So now that we have defined the relationship, what are you? Are you a fan or a follower? You're in our invitation song. I'm asking if you are now saying, I am definitely a fan. It's not too late. God's not going to say, Nope, you had your chance. Know what you're going to do? Welcome home, my son, my daughter. Welcome back. Welcome back. If you don't know, if you know who Jesus is, but you don't know, which means you are, you know here, but not here, you are 18 inches away from hell, make today be the day that you know Jesus. Because we are not guaranteed an hour from now. 
Lost us and we're not guaranteed that. What a great day for you to graduate from being a lost person to a child of God. A day of recognizing graduates. Hey, you know what? I graduated from the world and I am now going to heaven. That's better than going to college. Because one, it's free. <laughs> Those two months were kind of sweat, but it's free. Ain't no test, ain't no exam, ain't no transcripts. And then every slide, all he wants is to do, to do, to make us do a sinner, to make us die on the cross for you, to rose again. For you. I had a pastor a while back. They just told John 3.16. You really want to get John 3.16? It hits in the stomach. Put your name in there. For God so loved your name. And it says on the guy's son, for your name. You put it like that and make it really personal, it will hit you in the gut. Seniors. Think about it, because you are some you are getting ready. Some of you all should be the first time that you stepping outside of mommy and daddy's door and going somewhere all by yourself. If you're a believer, you're not by yourself. You got the I'm gonna tell you, you got the only best and true friend you can have in Jesus. You know what? He's not going to pick on you to do something wrong. But if you tell him something to stick it, he ain't going to run it straight around the school. He ain't going no further than, than his ears. You know what? If he loves you so much that he got you. He ain't got a friend out there in that world that got you. If you got a friend in heaven that did. All he's saying is, hey, deny yourself. Grab your cross. Follow me. Together. We will get it. You know. When Brother Wayne comes, and Chris Diamond comes up, and the invitation time comes, first time me how most of all these songs that we did today, you know, praise and worship were uh, right down to Jenna Collins. Jenna Collins. And I didn't talk to her at all about what I was thinking of. I'm interested in how God works things out. So, the altar will be open, and the rain will be down here, and you can do some excuses. If you're a fan, I'm ready to be God, hey, I'm ready to be a follower. But remember, it's a 100% commitment, not a part-time job. Full-time job. Thank you.